Drama on One. A lie told often enough becomes the truth. Drama on One, Sundays at 8pm. The pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Compassion is the basis of morality. Drama on one. The tongue like a sharp knife kills without drawing blood. Drama on one. I'm Stanley Townsend. I'm Angeline Ball. I'm Stephen Ray. Hi, I'm Lawrence Kinlan. Hi, I'm Saoirse Ronan. I'm Nick Dunning. Hi, I'm Brandon Gleeson and you can hear me at rte.ie forward slash drama on one. rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. This is RTE Radio 1. And now RTE's Drama on One is delighted to give you another chance to hear the award-winning comedy Lambo by Hugh Travers, starring Michael Ford Fitzgerald as radio presenter Jerry Ryan and indeed every other character. You might like to note that this play contains language that some listeners might find offensive. So, ladies and gentlemen, Lambo. Tonight's show. One man, one mic, no way out. Stay tuned to find out how he plays the part when we turn on the red light and turn up the heat. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, Jerry Ryan. I wasn't always Jerry Ryan. I mean, I was always Jerry Ryan. It's my name. Everyone has a name. You're born with a name. But sometimes people become names. Some people are names. The Beatles. Now, nobody thinks of creepy, crawly insects when they hear that. No, they see John, Paul, George and Ringo. You sell a million records and you'll start owning whole words. Jerry Ryan. Now, that name means whatever it means to you. Boorish motormouth, sensationalist gossip. Or maybe some friendly mid-morning company on your kitchen radio. But whatever it means now, it meant nothing way back when. Back then, what just meant the guy who lived around the corner from you in Clontarf. If that is, he lived around the corner from me in Clontarf. It meant the messer who sat beside you in St Paul's. If that is, he sat beside me in St Paul's. It meant the guy on your football team who was a bit shite, so you stuck him up corner forward, if that is. Well, you get the idea. But then sometimes a name is thrust upon you. Lambo. That's what they started calling me. Now, to be perfectly honest, I needed it like a hole in the head. Jerry Ryan was just starting to become something bigger than me. A name that meant something to some people. Not many people, but enough. I was still on late night radio. The 10 to 12 shift right after Dave Fanning, right before Mark Hagney. It was exciting times. 
myself and David come from Pirate Radio ducking and diving and getting one over on the man until the director of programmes at RTE, Michael Carroll, brought us on board. We ended up back to back on the first national pop music station owning the airwaves while Radio 1 was settling into its shipping news. Valencia Island, Malinhead, Mizzenhead, Cansour Point. But I wasn't a household name. The household doesn't listen to late night radio. And then Lambo happened. That name happened. That whole incident happened. Did you kill that lamb? I... Uh, you said you did. You said on national radio that you killed a lamb and ate it. That's against the law, Jerry. It's a matter for us to investigate. I made it all up. I never did it. You lied on RTE radio, Jerry? Don't you understand our broadcasting code of ethics? You can't lie on national radio. The public. The outcry. The outcry, Jerry. Outcry? What exactly is an outcry when it's at home? It's the future, Jerry. It's the dark, dystopian future. It's a future of live lines and Ryan lines, recycled reality of news cycles and red tops and blogs and bullshit, and the dust of offence whipping into tornadoes of outcry, Jerry. Storms, hurricanes, all of them in teacups. It's constantly looking over your shoulder. It's the public wanting their witch to burn, their pound of flesh, their goat to scape, their outcry, Jerry. Everyone loves a bit of moral indignation to make us feel like we're one step above the monkeys, Jerry. And what's this got to do with me and the lamb? Everything, Jerry, if you lied, that is. It has everything to do with you and the lamb. So tell me again. Did you kill the lamb or not? Fine. Well, then I did it. So you didn't lie then? Not to the public. I would never lie to the public. I told the truth. So you lied to the police then? Because you told them you didn't do it. No, I mean, yes. I mean, I don't know. What do you want me to say? Well, that depends. Do you want to lose your job or be charged with a crime? Can someone pinch me? I'm ready to wake up now. This isn't a dream. This is your memory. This happened, Jerry. Walk us through it. Which version? The one I told to the public? The one I told to RTE? Even the version I told to the police? The truth, Jerry, the truth. What happened down there in Connemara? Did you do the deed or not? The truth doesn't make sense. Not without the other versions. Well then, start at the beginning. And please, humour me. And tell me it was all Gay Burns' fault somehow. I suppose it was Gay Burns' fault, really. Or at least it was somebody in his radio show. This whole thing was someone's idea of entertainment. Now, stop me if this sounds familiar. They needed something juicy to fill some time in the schedule. So they decided to get a small group of people and put them out in the wild to see how they would survive. A week of this! You know, they couldn't have sent it to Africa or Australia. Not even the Algarve. It had to be Connefikinara. Hypothermia Central. Seriously, this is no way to treat a celebrity. Celebrities? We weren't celebrities. We were normal people. Volunteers, really. I think it was more of an accident that I happened to be on the radio in the first place. I don't even mean we were Z-list. What I'm trying to say is that they never wanted A-list in the first place. There was no list. People were quite happy to watch other people doing things. They swallowed what they were fed and they didn't need a celebrity version of it to make the medicine go down. So that was it. Gay Byrne and his assistant producer, Philip, put together this small group of people 
and decided to land us in Connemara with just the clothes on our backs and the British SAS survival guide for company. Philip came down with us and every morning we would rendezvous with him. Now he had this suitcase OB, this portable broadcast unit. He would get a guy from the Post and Telegraphs to hook it up to a telegraph pole. Yes, a telegraph pole. And he'd connect us to the Gayburn Show to report on our activities. Revolutionary stuff. So, we have me, Mary, a housewife who probably won some sort of gay burn show competition to do this feckin' thing. Charlie, some bloke from Onoiga, who I presumed knew a thing or two about trekking. And Kevin, I'm not even sure why Kevin was there. I don't even know if he knew why he was there. Lord only knows who he was. Maybe he was just the everyman character, the relatable one, the surrogate for the folks listening at home. We all had our part to play. Me? I was the mouthpiece, of course. The joker in the pack. The wild card. Or at least that's what I was going for. At the end of the day, I was on for mixing it up a bit, you know. At the same time, I knew I wanted this to be good radio. Different radio. Fresh. Exciting. On the edge. Pushing boundaries. Whatever. I wanted people to listen. I wanted it to register. We land down in Connemara and here's the thing. It doesn't take long before we work out the fundamental flaw in the plan. There's nowhere to go. Nothing to do. No structure. Okay, well there was some structure, but the whole thing wasn't exactly stage managed, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm standing there, looking around this barren landscape, sweeping it 360 degrees until my eyes fall on Kevin. And he just looks back at me with his eyebrows all kind of bent and confused. So what now? I don't know, Kevin. I suppose we just tried to survive. I'm surviving just fine, thanks. Okay. And then Mary chimes in. Now, this is what you need to know about Mary. She is a chimer-inner. You know that kind of way? A purveyor of the painfully obvious. The niggling thing that nobody wants to say. Or needs to say. Well, Mary says it like she wants to sing it. Well, we shouldn't wait till we're hungry. We should find something now. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for that. She's right, of course, but that's not the point. Jesus, Einstein would have sounded asinine with a voice like that. Okay, okay, Albert. We get it. Relativity, speed of light. Blah, blah, blah. We were all thinking it anyway. We decide to set up camp by a river. So we take out the SAS handbook, leave through it a bit, and decide to try to tickle some fish. Yes. You heard that right. Tickle some fish. Page 10 of the SAS handbook. How to tickle fish. Now, you're not trying to show them a good time. You're not trying to tickle salmon pink. It's somebody's ridiculous term for catching fish with your bare hands. Has anyone ever tried it? Well, I have. And I can tell you, it is not easy. So we're standing there in the river, knee deep in fast running river water. Trousers rolled up as far as they'll go, trying to tickle fish. Oh, there's one. Here. Where is it? Oh, you missed it. What? How do you know? Because it just swam by me. Oh, well, cheers, Kevin. Would you not think about trying to catch it yourself? Oh, look, there's another one. Where is he? I see him. You slippery little bastard. Get back here. No, 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 you're doing it all wrong. The handbook says you're supposed to let them swim into your hands. You're not supposed to chase them. Fickin' Mary, standing on the bank with her shoes and socks on, chiming in. Suffice to say, we learned pretty quickly why it's called tickling fish, because that is all you end up doing to them. 
tickling them. Survival guide my eye. Anyway, I think we found an apple tree or something somewhere. And to be fair to Charlie, the Onoga fella, he knew how to start a fire, so that was something. The next morning, it's up with the sun and on with the day. Philip, the producer, swans in from his cushy little hotel or B&B or wherever he's staying, suitcase OB in hand. And before we know it, we're mic'd up and we're on the air with Gay! You what, Jerry? Tickling fish. Well, blisses and saves. What will you think of next, Jerry? I don't know, Gay, really. I don't even know. You what, Jerry? I said I'm not sure, Gay. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll think of next. There's not much down here, if I'm being honest with you. Well, what else did you get up to yesterday, Jerry? We ate some apples, Gay. That was exciting. And then what, Jerry? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell Auntie Gable all about it. Well, that's about it, Gay. Seriously. There's not much town here, if I'm being honest with you. Well, holy God, you must be famished and starving and hungry and ravenous and all the rest. Well, I'm not in danger of going up a jean size, gay. A jean size? <laughs> Gerard Ryan, you're a hole. Well, what can I say except to wish you all the best? And come back to me tomorrow and we'll hear about all your adventures, madcap and crazy as they may be. Madcap Adventures, he says. He was half joking, of course, but only half joking. I think he genuinely thought we were running around like MacGyver, making food out of sellotape and elastic bands. The reality was more like something out of a Bergman movie. Death staring us in the face, and yet everyone's still kind of bored. I'm exaggerating now. Being close to death would have at least been exciting. This... This was more like a glorified school nature walk, except without any ham sandwiches packed. It's only been two days, and I'm starting to crack up here. I'm losing my patience. Every little single thing is getting on my nerves. I'm wandering around the hills and fields of Connemara with a bunch of crack vacuums and nothing to eat. I feel like I'm involved with some sort of elaborate historical society who are doing a famine reconstruction. Except there's no costumes and I don't know my lines. Eject! Eject! I want out! And well, I'm missing my kids too, you know. My wife, all snug at home. The kids' little faces, the way they'd look up at you. Not judging you, not wanting any different side of you. Just wanting all of you. Accepting all of you, not some version of you. They're smiling mouths. Full of food. Full of delicious, succulent, mouth-watering food. Sweet, sweet calories. Jesus, I was hungry. The next morning, we're on the radio with Gay again, and Mary is the main spokesperson on this occasion, and it's just car crash stuff, you know? I mean, there is only so much you can say about picking berries at the end of the day. Well, it looked like a raspberry, Gay, but then when you turned it over, it looked like a blueberry. Christ! I turned to producer Philip, thinking, we're both radio men. We're both on the same team, right? This is great radio, Jerry. This is something we can be proud of, you know? But where's the spice? Where's the sex? Where's the showbiz? This is national radio. Exactly. This is national radio, Jerry. Public service national radio, you know. But it's like listening to paint dry. 
Look, Jerry, don't worry. Gay's delighted with the show. People are listening. It'll all be fine, you know? I want it to be better than fine. I want to do exciting work, Philip. What am I supposed to do with this? Just be yourself. People like you, you know? Look, let's get serious for a moment. We've got three problems. One, we're bored. Two, we're boring the nation at the same time. And three, we're hungry. That's three birds in my book. We need one stone. Philip hightails it to his B&B and I start leafing through the SAS handbook to try to find the most interesting and the biggest feed we can find. Because even a failure would at least give us a good story. Page 21. Mutton or lamb? How to kill, butcher and cook. Okay, well at the very least this sounds like a tasty meal, so I read on. And this is where the story starts getting tasty as well. To catch and kill a lamb or sheep... Take some stones or a large rock and place them in a sock. Catch the sheep and stun the animal with a swift blow to the head. Once the animal is sedated, slit its jugular with a knife. Jesus. I mean, I'm thinking, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Gruesome stuff. But I'm at least willing to give it a try, you know, because I'm remembering what I learned from listening to the best. The pros, the Gogans and Wogans of this world, I know what they'd say. Serve the listener, serve the story. If there isn't one, make one. I floated to the group. Charlie and Kevin come around pretty quick. They're thinking along the same lines as me and their stomachs are rumbling just the same. Mary, though, she's unpacking the righteous indignation from her rucksack at the first mention of it. I mean, it doesn't really matter one bit. We're dead set in doing it now. I'm excited, but kind of... Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm also shitting myself too, you know? I'm the young man in a tribe. I've paid my dues and I'm getting nervous the night before going on my first big hunt with the tribesmen. But I know I can't let the nerves get the better of me. So I do what I have to do and I just pretend. I decide I can play the part of someone who knows what the hell they're doing. I am warrior. I am survivor. I am Zulu. I am chief running bull. I am Nanook of the North. I am... Man of Aaron! Right, I'm getting carried away with it all, but I'm doing it! Regardless of what Mary has to say, I'm doing it! We're up at the crack of dawn, analysing the respective merits of one rock over another and one sock over another. Will my red one scare it away or attract it? Do sheep see like bulls or are they colourblind like dogs? Or did I just make that up? Eventually we decide we're overthinking it and get on with it! Get on with it! Get on with it! Get on with it, you say. What exactly was it? What was it that we did? The lamb. To kill or not to kill. Did we do it? Did I kill that lamb? Well, ladies and gentlemen, to whom it may concern. Welcome back, welcome back, ladies and germs. And speaking of germs, you might want to avoid this next lot. If you've been listening to my radio show this week, you'll have heard all about their trials and tribulations. And you may have read about that little bit of controversy. They've been out surviving in the wild, wild west. They've made it through the week in one piece and they're fresh off the bus and into the studio to tell us how. Would you welcome, please, 
the gay burn show, Survivors. The Survivors, ladies and gentlemen, here they are. Sit yourself down there, Gerard. Jerry, I'll start with you. Tell us again, tell us the story you told me on the radio during the week. The one everyone's talking about. About me getting hypothermia again. <laughs> hypothermia, very good, Jerry. No, of course, I'm talking about the lamb. Everyone's talking about the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. Have you been living under a rock, Jerry? Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> of course, Connemara rocks very good, Jerry. In all seriousness, though, tell me about the lamb again. You told me during the week and you had this incredible kind of shake in your voice, like it had been so gruesome that... Well, come on, you tell it. It's your story. OK, then, gay, well... There we were, surrounded by these things, these woolly pictures of innocence. But to us, they were pictures of sustenance, of food, of delicious barbecued lamb chops. They were our salvation. So we hunted them down as a team with a three-pronged pincer movement, corralling them into a corner. But the sheep were too fast, Gay, so we tried to isolate a lamb from the group. Now, I'm not going to lie, there was trial and error, and mostly error, if I'm being honest. But finally, I managed to kind of hurl my body at one and grab it, like a last-ditch rugby tackle. It tried to squirm away, but Kevin and Charlie here managed to surround it until we had it under control. They held it still, trying to calm it until it stopped squirming and wriggling. I got to my feet... And I took my rock and my sock. Sorry, Jerry. Your what? My rock and my sock. Rocks and socks. Incredible stuff. Go on. So I had my weapon. I had my prey. All that was left was to do the deed. I looked down at him. Now I knew we had to eat. It was him or us. Kill or be killed. Slowly, by starvation. I knew it had to be done. The guys were relying on me. I summoned up whatever was left of my evolutionary instincts from where they were hiding beneath my quilt of modern comfort and complacency and, well, I, I just swung for it, Gay. What else could I do? I swung and I swung and I swung and I swung again until I was out of breath and the lamb was unconscious. Kevin here had worked in an abattoir with his brother. So we left it to him to stab it in the throat, to bleed it. And that was it. It was done. But there you have it, ladies and germs. Right from the horse's mouth. Rocks and socks. Incredible stuff. Back with more after this. Broadcasting gold! I even heard from the producer of my radio show that his buddy was talking to his mate who was in the RTE canteen and overheard Michael Carroll saying he thought it was, quote, fascinating. There were complaints to RTE, of course. But sure, anything and everything gets a complaint. You say you love your mother and there'll be someone on complaining that you're discriminating against the hard-working fathers of Ireland. You say you killed a lamb. Sure enough, the veggies and the biddies will be dialing Donnybrook Dublin 4. But... I was beginning to be recognised on the street. In the supermarket, even. 
You're a disgrace, Ryan. A poor little innocent lamb. I'm sorry, love. I'm just trying to do my shopping here, if you wouldn't mind. You're nothing but a feckin' butcher. You know that? A butcher! Six pork chops, half a pound of sausages and a leg of lamb there, please, love. If I listened closely, I could just about hear the sound of the shit hitting the fan. The Chinese whispers start whistling their way through the country and the words change. The spin of them, the sound of them. It's not the facts so much as the tone, the smell of them. But I wasn't the only one down there in Connemara. We're all in this together. And we can all still smell of roses so long as nobody breaks ranks. Jerry, it's Kevin. This whole thing just stinks to high heavens. I'm getting grief over this. We need to come clean. Look, Kevin. Sure, look at it. Just look at it like this. I mean, look, sure. Okay, listen here, Kevin. Are you listening? Just listen to me now. It'll all be grand, okay? It won't be grand, Jerry. The tide's turning. Nobody thinks it's funny anymore. We need to tell them we didn't do it. I can't do this anymore. Kevin, you're not listening to me. You're not even looking. We can't say we lied. I could lose my job. We all need to stick together on this. Stick to our story and this will all blow over. Honestly, nobody will be talking about this next week. In view of the many complaints from the public, Count Carla, are the Gardaí investigating with a view of taking criminal proceedings, the killing of a newborn lamb as part of a survival car sponsored by... RTE's The Gay Burns Show and will the minister make a statement on the matter? It was Tony Gregory TD who really got the storm going in our little teacup nation and to be fair better than most of them Tony but quite why he gave two shites about this nonsense is kind of beyond me I mean he raised this in the doyle utterly baffling I am informed by the Garda authorities Deputy Gregory that the matter has been referred to them and will be investigated in due course. Thank you, Minister. I do hope we can charge the whole lot of them with the crimes against Doraidi. Now the Gardaí were involved. On Garda Shiakana. The Garda Shikiloni. Okay, okay, Jesus. Let me tell you, it's quite a thing when the doorbell rings and your kids rush to the door to see who it could be only to find the guards looking to have a word. Quite a thing to explain to them that daddy's not in trouble when, well, you're not exactly sure that's true. Quite another thing to see the confusion on their faces. Because they know. Maybe they can't put a word on it. Maybe they don't want to say it. But they can see the lie on your face. They know. But each time they call, I tell the kids, they're just doing their job. They're just slaves to the story. What's actually going on doesn't matter. The perception is what counts. Gangland crime. Sure, let the scumbags at it until it spills over into the papers. White-collar criminals. Cute whores until someone decides they're ugly and corrupt. Counterfeit goods. Bike theft. Binge drinking. Jaywalking. Lock-ins. Litterbugs. None of it is a problem until it's a problem. If it's off the front pages, it ain't happening. When it's writ large on a red top, then it's time to crack down. Right now, I was the story. So yeah, me and the guards got to know each other pretty well. (laughs) 
Look, Jerry, this is a criminal investigation, so we need full disclosure. Did you kill that lamb? Okay, now I'm repeating myself. Surely there's a law against that. This is just getting messy now. Stick to the facts, Mr. Ryan. Did you kill the lamb or not? No, I did not. But you said you did it on the radio. I also said I did it on the telly. I say things. That's what I do. You described it in detail. I tell stories. That's my job. But what about journalistic integrity? I'm not a journalist. I'm a radio DJ. So you didn't do it? Jesus, no, I told you this, I swear. I did not kill that lamb. I would never do such a thing. Such a cruel, horrendous, barbaric thing. It's against the law. Of course not. Me, never. So you lied to the hard-working housewives of Ireland on the radio, talking as if you were running around like Rambo. More like Lambo, am I right? Huh? Huh? What do you think those poor women will say when this gets out? When this gets out? How dare they, the cheek of them. I pay my licence fee every year, and this is the thanks I get. Barefaced lies in the radio. I wouldn't even mind if you'd killed the lamb, but lying about it, making up stories just for a bit of fun and games. Well, I'd expect it from that Jerry Ryan fella, but honestly, I'm very disappointed in gay. And what about your bosses at RTE? What do you think they'll say? Who says they have to know? This interview is supposed to be confidential. You're right, Jerry. Confidential. <laughs> the garden station is watertight. Good one. Ah, uh, bollocks. Jerry, 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 we can't have this sort of thing happening at RTE. This is like contagion now. I don't want this on my head. It's a feeding frenzy, for fuck's sake. So let's keep this short. It's a simple question. Put it to me straight here. For the record, did you do it or not? I made it all up. I never did it. So you lied on RTE radio, Jerry? Don't you understand our broadcasting code of ethics? You can't lie on national radio. The public, the outcry, the outcry, Jerry. Fine, well then I did kill the lamb. So you didn't lie then? Not to the public, I would never lie to the public. I told the truth. So you lied to the police then? No, I mean yes, I mean, I don't know. What do you want me to say? Can someone pinch me? I'm ready to wake up now. You're repeating yourself now, Jerry. Surely there's a law against that. This is just getting messy now. You're a lion, butcher, Jerry. Butcher, butcher, butcher. How did she get in here? Who? The old cranky biddy. I'm sorry, Jerry. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. In view of the many complaints from the public, heroin, 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 heroin. Who invited Tony bloody Gregory? Where is this? Where am I? Jerry, you should know the answers. You should know what the truth is. It's the easiest thing to remember. What are you fucking talking about? Tell me what's really going on here. But you said yourself, Jerry. You said it doesn't matter what's really going on. It's the perception is what counts. Why don't you just shut up, okay? If you're not going to tell me anything, then just shut. Pipe down, Ryan. I've had enough of your butt chat. Now tell me, what was Mary's role in all of this? Who was Mary? Uh, she was quite contrary. How did her garden grow? I don't know. Uh, she had a little lamb, white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went? The lamb was sure to go. Exactly! You're a black sheep, aren't you, Jerry? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three blocks full, sir. I know there never was a lamb. There never was a little boy who lived down the lane. And there never was a cat or a fiddle or a cow jumping over a moon. But tell me this. Where was the dish? He ran away with the spoon. In light of the many complaints from the public, meh, meh, meh. Oh, Jesus, I need a doctor. Can somebody get me a doctor? I need a prescription. Hello, doctor. Is that you? No, Jerry. 
Jerry. It's your agent slash manager slash accountant slash publicist slash PR slash spiritual guru. Get me out of here, please. So wherever you are, listen, it was just a yarn, just a bit of fun. Sorry, Jerry, there's only one way out. In this instance, I'm going to recommend 70% humble contrition, 30% dedication to animal welfare causes. But look on the bright side here, Jerry. The severe blow to your self-esteem will shed a few extra pounds. Those pounds in your ego are the most stubborn, right? I'm dreaming, right? I have to be dreaming. This has to be a... It's the past. It's the present. It's the dark, dystopian future. Live lines, riot lines, recycled reality of news cycles and red tops and blogs and bullshit and the dust of events whipping into tornadoes of outcry, Jerry. Everything eating itself again, 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 again. The public wanting their witch to burn, their pound of flesh, their goat to escape, their outcry. Drug them, stone them, leash them, bore them. Every scandal has a cycle. Step right up and spin the wheel. Suck them, fire them, jail them, boil them. Step right up and spin the wheel. Say your shoddy, say it like you mean it. Bring me his head on a plate. Spin again. Apologize, Ryan, and I like mine with a sign of humiliation. We've got you where we want you now, Ryan. You can't weasel out of this one. So, fess up! Yeah! Fish up! Come clear! Tell the fucking truth! Tell the 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 truth. Where was I? Kind of lost my trail of thought there. Uh, got away from me a bit there. Uh, well, okay, how do I... It's just hard to... Look, here's what really happened, or at least what I can remember. It's just hard to... Okay, well, let me start by telling you this. Catching a sheep is not as easy as it feckin' looks. I'm serious. Those fat little fluffy fuckers are faster than you think. Just picture it. Three grown men running around a field after a bunch of sheep falling all over the place. Of course, Mary is loving every minute of it. Once she realised we hadn't a hope of catching one, she was delighted to see us try. That is, until the farmer showed up. Now, my memory of this bit is always from the farmer's point of view. You're out driving with your fine, hardy farmer's wife of a fresh country morning. Not a care in the world. Then, out of the corner of your eye, you think you see something moving in one of your fields. And as you get closer, what are you greeted by? Except the sight of three dirty, lanky, mental patients running around after your sheep, swinging their socks around like they just stepped out of the Lord of the Flies or something. And your wife is beside you, speechless, except for Jesus, Mary und Joseph, or Lord bless us und save us, or some such. She was German, by the way, the wife. Anyway, the farmer's effing and blinding out of him. Hey, hey, get up out of that, I freaking licked the lot ye. So we stopped dead, like rabbits in headlights. Rabbits with socks full of rocks in our paws. We know we're caught. Like guilty little schoolboys, we start hiding the evidence. Nobody saw me do it, you can't prove anything. Frau Farmer looks like she's about to faint and we're sorrying as best we can, but we don't have anything approaching an excuse. Oh, I'm sorry, it's okay there, missus. It's just we were trying to club one of your lambs to death there. Yeah, it doesn't sound too good. 
So once all the shouting dies down, we're all kind of left a bit speechless. The lot of us just staring at the farmer and his wife until fair play to her. Mary just comes out with it. Um, have you ever heard of the gay barn show at all? The silence was deafening for a moment until wifey says, Oh, sure, Jesus, why didn't you say so? Sure, haven't I been listening all week? And in an instant, the whole mood changed. Suddenly, we weren't mentally deranged psychopaths escaped from the nut house. We were warm, cuddly friends of gaybos just looking for a little bite to eat. And if there's one thing I know about a country housewife, even a German one, she'll never leave you looking for a bite to eat. She'll look at you, poor little sods. If you're hungry, you should have called up to the house. Look at you going hungry and me up the road with all this food. Sure, I'm only mortified. You'll have a bite now all the same. Now, I'm not convinced. We're not allowed, I say. It's kind of the rules, Mrs. She's having none of it. She'll have a sample. That's hardly eating. Ham and cheese. Sure, there's nothing in that. That's like eating air. I'll go on now. I'm like, honestly, Mrs., we couldn't, but there's no telling her. Cup of tea, then. Sure, now, if you can't have a cup of tea, then what's the point of surviving at all? To be fair, she had a point. It's tea. It's not like it was going to be the difference between living and dying, surviving or not. It was just a cup of tea. I mean, it's almost a human right. The house was just like you'd pictured. All warm and homely and warm and comfy with tablecloths and delf. And Jesus, it was lovely and warm. Shoes drying by the stove in the kitchen, heating our hands and feet, fingers and toes. The heat creeping through you, almost giving you shivers. The missus doing her best to feed us sambos, all struggling to hold firm. But fair juice to her, she made a fine cup of tea. At some point, the farmer starts laughing at the thought of us running around the field like a pack of toddlers. And so he says, sure, if you'd just called up to the house, we would have sorted you out. Sorted us out? We didn't quite know exactly what he was driving at. So what's one sheep in a field full of them? We could have spared a bit of an owl lamb for celebrities like yourselves. I'll go out the back now and shoot one for you now, he says. Jesus, I say. So don't we have some of the orphan lambs in the barn out the back? We all look at each other, our eyes talking to each other, conferring, wondering if this is kosher. Kevin decides it's not. We're supposed to be surviving like the SAS. No sambos, no lamb. The farmer pipes up. Should not the SAS have guns? I tell you, if one of those lads wants to eat, they take their gun and they damn well shoot something. Another round of conferring from our eyes. He has a point. We did consult the handbook. We used what was at our disposal to try and kill a sheep. And in the process, we came across access to a gun. Surely we're entitled to use it. I'm in. Charlie and Kevin too. Mary. Well, let's call it a democracy. Majority rules. The farmer nods and goes to get his gun. But there's a problem. We've come across access to a gun. Surely one of us has to do the shooting. So who's going to man up and pull the trigger? Charlie suggests putting it to a vote, but I don't even bother with the formalities. I know full well everyone's going to vote for moi. I'll do it. The farmer takes me out the back and he fetches one of his lambs. He ties the lamb to a post and he hands me the gun. It all happened so quick I didn't really have time to process it. I look at the farmer and his eyes just ask me, well, what the hell are you waiting for? So I raise the gun slowly and swing it around to face the lamb. I take a deep breath and I take aim. And it's only then that I actually start looking at the lamb. 
tiny little stupid thing. Not even that sure on its feet. The face on him. The little bleating voice on him. You can tell he's a bit scared. Maybe he doesn't know what a gun is, but you can tell he doesn't like his leg being tied to a post. He's trying to pull against it, falling over. I take another deep breath and reset myself, taking aim again. Then another breath. Well, I couldn't do it, could I? I mean, who was I even kidding? I knew I didn't have it in me. I lower the gun. The farmer knows the story. He sneaks a glance towards the house. He knows nobody can see us from there. He shrugs his shoulders, takes the gun from me, and he says, Sure, it'll be our little secret. He smiles at me, and he makes a point of actually cocking the gun this time. He takes aim at the lamb's face, and he blows the thing clean off. He blew it clean off. Not just his face. The whole fucking head came off. Like, right off. The gunshot, it rang out. It echoed back off the nearby hills. And after the lamb's leg stopped twitching, there was this dead silence. Neither of us said a word for a few seconds. Just dead air. I watched the blood pour from the lamb's neck for a few moments, seeping out like treacle, a little tiny trail of smoke or steam or something rising into the night. I didn't know if it was from the bullet or the heat of the blood in the cold air. Then the farmer just turns to me and he says, There you go now, Jenny. You'll eat tonight. And he walks over to the lamb and he starts gathering it up to butcher And that was it. That's what happened. So yeah, I lied. We lied. So what? We skinned the lamb and we walked out of the woods with it the next day. We told Philip and everyone else it was all legit. So what? I mean, there was some truth in it, kind of. I watched that lamb's head get blown off. I did look that lamb in the eye. That shake in my voice was real. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Go on the radio and tell everyone we were sitting drinking cups of tea in someone's kitchen? Or what else? Say nothing. Talk about picking berries again. Everybody wanted a story. And they got one. Hero to zero. Secrets, lies and public service broadcasting. Nobody giving a monkey so I actually nearly got hypothermia a few days later and me on sedatives all summer from the stress. Everyone having their silly season fun. And what do I get? Lambo. Lambo, Lambo, fucking Lambo. I mean, what did I do? What did I do that was so wrong? This is fucking showbiz, baby. I mean, would you prefer to be bored? Is that it? I mean, what have I done? Seriously. What have I done that was so... Oh, bollocks. What have I done? What have I done? Shit. I'll never work in this town again. I'll be blacklisted. I'll be bollocksed. The truth wasn't even that boring. Why did I think I needed more? I just wanted my kids to be proud of me. I just wanted to entertain people. I mean, do you not want to be entertained? 
Do I really have to pay with my job, my life, my career? Please, just just give me one more chance, please. What'll it take? I'll do anything. I'll, I'll be good. I'll behave myself. I'll stick to the facts. I'll read the news. I'll read the weather. It'll all be true. Every word of it. Please. Please. Hello, Jerry. Hello? Who's there? It's me, Jerry. Michael Carroll. Michael Carroll? Yes, Michael Carroll, director of programs at RTE. You should really know this. Excuse me, yes, of course. Please come and see me in my office at your earliest convenience. I want to talk about this whole Lambo affair. To be honest, Michael, I've had enough of it at this stage, so if you're going to give me my P45, I'd prefer if you just go ahead and put me out of my misery. Nobody's getting the sack, Jerry. Don't worry. Do you know what my job is, Jerry? Kind of, I suppose. Well, it's a lot of things. I don't know how I do it all, really. But part of it is seeing the wood from the trees. And I can tell you that's hard when you're viewing them through a shitstorm, Jerry. You're the wood. Or the trees. Or whichever the good stuff is. I never really understood that one. Thank you, I think. You got your 15 minutes and you took it. You made the most of it. You understand the alchemy of radio. But what about the police? What about the RTE investigation? What about the outcry? Ha 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 ha. Please, Jerry, don't worry about all that. That will all just go away. But how? People will stop caring. They'll move on to the next thing. And when it has all gone away, you'll still have the right stuff. You know what the audience really want. You understand the contract. The contract? Public service broadcasting. Serve them, Jerry. Serve them what they need. Spice things so that they can eat it, so that it tastes right, so that they can digest it. Everyone's a winner. That's the contract. A slot has come up in the morning schedule. Prime time, Jerry. How would you like to talk to the household every morning? Don't answer straight away. Just remember, whatever you decide, be true to yourself. That meeting actually took place, you know. I mean, not like that exactly, but the point is that pretty much all happened. Now, obviously, I sexed it up for you because, well, that's the contract, right? I shook that man's hand and I walked out of that office without so much as a thank you. I was too shocked. And I walked down that corridor in Montrose, slowly at first. Then, as I realised what had just happened, my pace picked up a bit. I could see the future unfold in front of me. Now, not just the future of outcries and scandals and red tops and news cycles and celebrities, but a future of possibilities. The possibility of what I could do... A morning show, prime time radio, a place in the household, a place of pride in my own household. And now there's a bit of a skip in my step because I'm starting to see it. The Ryan line. Fuck Lambo. Screw the late night shock jock pirate radio prankster. Class clown supreme. Jerry who lives around the corner is gone forever. The morning slot talking to the nation. Tell me your fears, your worries, your complaints, your laughs, your loves, your sorrows. 
Give me your petty grievances, your darkest secrets. Share the bright light in your life if it makes you feel good. Share it with me. We'll laugh about it. I will cry about it. I'll be whoever you need me to be. And we'll do it all together. I understand you. I know what you really want. Yeah. I can hear the sound of it. Good morning, Jerry. I don't think I have that here. Anyway, I'm going to say... Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, Jerry. I was sitting there, I was listening, I went, that was me. Good morning, Jerry. Jerry, how are you? The Ryan line is open. You tell us. We'll tell them. That was Lambo by Hugh Travers, directed by Roland Phelan and starring Michael Ford Fitzgerald, who played Jerry Ryan and every other character in the play. Sound design was by Trevor Furlong. Lambo by Hugh Travers was first performed as part of the Dublin Fringe Festival. The producer for Underscore Productions was Ashling O'Brien. On sound was Richard McCulloch. The series producer of RTE's Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one.